Hi everybody, it's Brennan here. I don't know if you've follow us on Twitter, if you've seen our Twitter, but yes, unfortunately Scream 101 will no longer be producing episodes. Um, it was just becoming too much of a burden on our stress-wracked quarantine brains. Like you'd think we would have had more time to make shows, but it was just, you know, we needed a chance to step back and live our lives and just breathe for a second. Um, so thank you so much for your understanding. But um, I do have a new show coming out that's part of a donation drive that I'm doing for the Okra Project. Um, we're going to be covering every episode of Freddy's Nightmares, the anthology TV series from the 80s that was hosted by Freddy Krueger. Um, that show is being brought to you by donations from listeners. And I know some of you have already donated, so thank you. Um, but yeah, we're only doing as many episodes as we have donations. I'm trying to, you know do the whole show and continue forward if we get a second season um if you choose to give us a second season we're going to be doing friday the 13th the series as well so i'm very excited about that um so yeah please check out the show um i have attached here the full first episode in the show notes uh right down below you can uh find the link to subscribe to the show on apple podcasts if you don't have apple podcasts if you're listening to this somewhere else you know you can just find it or DM me on Twitter, whatever, at It's Raining Brands. But yeah, here's the full first episode. We covered the pilot of Freddy's Nightmares with special guest Joe Farron. I'm really, really proud of it, and I hope you enjoy it and want to subscribe. Thank you so much. Welcome to Welcome to Prime Time. I'm Brennan Klein, and this is your, uh, wow, I haven't actually come up with a description of the show yet. We're reviewing <laughs> Freddy's Nightmares episode by episode, the 1988 to 1990 anthology horror series hosted by Freddy Krueger. Um, for the record, I have had a lot of people reach out and ask how they can view this, and don't tell anyone I told you this, but all the episodes are streaming on daily motion right now. Um, I'm not trying to, like, put that out there in the universe and because someone might notice <laughs> but um yes that's where you can find them um but also we're gonna try to make this you know as painless an experience as possible so you don't have to watch it if you don't really want to uh you're not going to be lost we're going to be going through the plot we're going to break down like every inch of it so you'll know what's going on without actually having to watch it if it's not your cup of tea, and I understand if it's not. Um, this show exists because of donations from listeners like you. Uh, please help us keep going by donating to The Okra Project, which is an organization that's working to feed black trans people in need, and has recently launched several initiatives for the black trans community, including COVID-19 relief and mental health, re health recovery funds in honor of Tony McDade and Nina Pop. You can donate through the link in the show notes, uh, take a screenshot of your receipt, black out any personal information, I do not feel like stealing your identity, and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com, which you can also find, guess what, in the show notes. Or you can DM it to me on social media. We currently have enough donations to get us through the first season of Freddy's Nightmares, but if you like the show and want it to continue, that's up to you. Also, if you donate to my original fundraiser for Give Directly and now want to donate to the Okra Project, your donation will count for another episode. Look at that. Um, this week's episode is brought to you by a very special patron, me. <laughs> um, you know, I had to seed the tip jar, but also I donated the entirety of my first, uh, I'm sorry, of my final Cinestate paycheck from the Fangoria Podcast Network to this fundraiser because fuck, fuck all that. Anyway, 
This is our first episode coming in with happy feelings, and that's why I brought along a very special guest. Um, he's the co-host of the podcast Fright School and Art Time of the Month. It's our friend, Joe Farron. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Brennan. Hi. I'm so excited to talk <laughs> oh, about this gosh. with you. I'm really excited, too. Um, I, I have a habit of just saying yes before really knowing what I'm getting myself into, so I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm really grateful you accepted being my guinea pig. And, well, part of the concept of your show, Fright School, is that like you're kind of the horror novice and your co-host is kind of the horror expert, and you kind of attack movies from those two directions. And I was like, that's probably how I can trick Joe into doing this. Yeah, and and you got me. Uh, you would think that after like almost five years of doing a show about horror movies that I would um, uh, know better, but I was like, you know what? I still have that naivete, um, <laughs> and I still will, you know, I still will say, let's split up. Uh, and oh. <laughs> so so yeah, so I'm here, and and I I have to say that I. Um, with this particular episode, before we get into it, I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. Okay, well, that's good, because I was nervous because I had never seen any episode of this show before, like, fully committing to do this podcast, so I was like, this might be a huge disaster. Well, we'll... <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk about uh, disasters in other episodes, maybe, but... Uh... Perhaps. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here, though, and I, again, I, I... I think it's really great, um, you know, the highlighting these organizations. It's very important for the time. And um, yeah, so, you know, happy to support. Thank you so much. Um, well, the episode we're discussing today is season one, episode one of Freddy's Nightmares titled No More Mr. Nice Guy. Um, the air date was October 9th, 1988. And here's what you could have watched instead of that in theaters that weekend. <laughs> um, <laughs> You could have watched Clara's Heart with Whoopi Goldberg and Neil Patrick Harris in his first film role. Um, or Punchline with Sally Field and Tom Hanks playing stand-up comedians. So, <laughs> honestly, I feel like if I was, you know, a kid in that time, I probably would have been at home with my TV set watching Friday's Nightmares. I, I think so, too. Um I, I like, I mean, I do enjoy a Whoopi Goldberg. I do enjoy... Of course a Sally Field, but I don't enjoy, um, I don't enjoy when people do movies for the paycheck. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome to 1988. <laughs> I was saying, this is 1988. It's different, you know. This is before it, um, it's complicated with Meryl Streep and, and, um, and Alec Baldwin. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, the sparkling gem of cinema that that is. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, but yes, so the writer for this episode, um, there's a bunch because they didn't trust anyone with this. Um, one of the writers is Michael DeLuca, who's a co-creator of the show. He also wrote John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, and now he's like been a long-running producer, including the movies Moneyball and Captain Phillips, so he is around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, ooh, wow, Captain Phillips, um, Moneyball, uh, geez, that I... I... Wow. I mean, everyone has to start somewhere, right? Yeah. No, there are definitely, like, I've been kind of putting together the show notes for a lot of the future episodes, and I'm like, no, there are some some people who worked on this shit, and some people who did not work on anything else, but mostly, like, some names. Um, it's also co-written by David Ehrman, who's a prolific TV writer, including on 24, The Fosters, Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego. 
Ah, my favorite. My favorite. Um, I miss. Um, I do miss Lynn Thigpen. Um, I think we <laughs> we need her voice now more than ever. Um, I just you know, and any time where it's just like you know, gum gumshoes, right? It's like gumshoes, mm-hmm. chief, and then of course Rockapella. So yeah, honestly, I never watched the show, so I'm really <gasps> sorry. I feel. Okay. I, I I am now the novice in your podcast about where on earth is Carmen San Diego. I, I you know what it's fine because I one day you're going to see an episode somewhere, um, and you're going to understand the like you know delicious PBS camp. That okay, was. look that's that's my jam. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you know, you like a wishbone. You like a you know, it's 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 delicious, and it's a game show which teaches you geography. Come on. Yeah. Also. I never saw Wishbone, but okay, really quick digression. Um, I'm doing this project where I'm watching and reviewing every movie based on a Jane Austen novel. And when I was um, doing the research on like adaptations of Jane Austen novels, there's like three Wishbone episodes that are based on Jane Austen material. And I, I'm like, what is this show? Oh my gosh. Wishbone is like, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't grow up with pets, so I think Wishbone was the closest thing that I had to pets. Uh-huh. And it's great because, like, they basically reenact a version of a novel, a classic novel, but, like, Wishbone is a character, the dog. So Oh, so it, that's what it did. Exactly. So it's dog acting. So, for example, they did The Count of Monte Cristo, and, he, and Wishbone, the dog, was Edmond Dantes. <laughs> Edmond Dogtes. Yes, exactly. I, you know what? I'm not entirely sure if that if that would that pun was made, but it was such low hanging fruit that it probably they're leaving money right on the floor. Exactly. I'm like, if I would be very upset um, if they didn't. Um, And yeah, so like with with um, with that, and it was just like it was always like the book is running parallel to something that Wishbone's you know family is dealing with, family being the human family. And, and, you know, it's just a very smart dog. You know, if a dog can read, uh, you know, Rip Van Winkle's sleep, uh, Rip Van Winkle and um, Washington Irving's Sleepy Hollow, then, of course, you can read it, kid who's watching television. Oh, huh. Okay. I mean, but, maybe that'll be season three of this show if we get enough donations. <laughs> yes, we'll do. We'll do Wishbone. And, and, then, and then the circle is complete of, you know, Freddy Krueger and Wishbone the dog. <laughs> Truly. Um, Anyway, so the third writer is Rhett Topham, which is a great fancy boy name. Um, Mm -hmm. He wrote the screenplay to the wild rock and roll slasher Trick or Treat, as well as the movie 976 Evil, which was directed by Robert Englund, which I assume is how they know each other. Um, Okay, and so the director of this episode is, of all people, Toby Hooper of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Fun House, Poltergeist, Life Force, Texas Chainsaw 2, like, Toby Hooper. Yeah, I I was also very <laughs> I was also very surprised by that. Um I was like, "Dang, Toby Hooper." Like, how did how how <laughs> um uh Brennan, what network was this on when it premiered? This was on Fox. Uh okay, well that make, <laughs> that, that <kind laughs> answers a lot more questions. Um but yeah, that that I mean, that had to be a get. Uh I Oh, imagine, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his his career has had its ups and downs, but in 1988, it wasn't like an extreme down. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, this is definitely like stunt um, directing. I, yes, who who would be who would you get now if you wanted to do like a stunt director of like this 
anthology horror series. I mean, like, like you got you got the like Ty West doing episodes of Scream, the MTV show. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like I don't know. A lot of our like big name horror directors are more like indie now, but or like a Mike Flanagan probably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like yeah. you get him to direct, you know, the first episode of Unsolved Mysteries or whatever, and that people are in. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, and Mike Flanagan directed this. We need to, we need to pay attention. Um, which, on the side note, I'm still like, I am like childhood traumatized by like the old school unsolved mysteries. Uh-huh. I have no desire to watch the new unsolved mysteries. But you didn't need to know that. I just wanted to share. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I do appreciate that. Um, okay, so the the lead cast of this episode is Robert Englund, who, if you don't know, plays Freddy Krueger, <laughs> um, Ian Patrick Williams from Reanimator and Dolls, and then Mark Harrier of the Porky's Trilogy, and somehow he also directed the movie Popcorn. I did not know that until I looked him up just now. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're going to dive into this episode. Um, for those of you who don't know, and Joe, in case I explain this poorly, <laughs> um, I'm kind of going to be running through the plot a little bit, and we're going to, you know, just pull off into whatever culvert kind of appeals to you and kind of break down like the scenes as we pass them. You got it. All right. <laughs> so we <laughs> fade in. <laughs> and um, We start with a news broadcast of just all these horrible things. Um, and then <laughs> the news reporter slowly fades away <laughs> um, to like a red and green test pattern. There's a please stand by message with a Freddy claw that breaks through. And then we kind of visit Freddy in his little, uh, liminal space bad guy lair and he um begins what we will soon learn to be you know the common thread of the show of him just giving very weak puns um this one is (laughs) (laughs) this isn't time for your nightmares and then the anchorman disappears fully and reappears in springwood ohio um i thought this was actually like kind of a fun like saucy opening what what did you ta- what was your take on it? I thought so too. It was I liked the idea of like we're watching like late night news and then taking you into something different. Um I do like the idea. I also really enjoyed like before knowing anything before, you know, no, now that the episode's over and I've watched it where he says like this is my nightmare and I'm like, "Oh, okay. So what does that mean? Because like the name of the show is also Freddy's Nightmare. So mm-hmm. like I I had no idea what to expect going into it. And then I realized like, oh, as you get into this is like literally his nightmare, his origin story. Um, I thought that the I thought that like the the news anchor when he gets like, you know, trans like mutated into the courthouse steps mm-hmm. where he's like, I don't know. He doesn't know what's going on. And he says it. As a, I thought that was really strange, but it's, I don't know. What did it, you think? It is really strange, but that kind of thing sort of appeals to me where it's so weirdly integrated with each other in a way that it didn't have to be, mm-hmm. but it's, I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was just, I was just like, I'm like, are you, is he meant to be like from the quote unquote real world and now he's been teleported or, and I, and it was just so strange. It was very, I I was expecting more from him. I thought that we were going to actually see the entire episode with him as this like character that, you know, like I thought it was going to be through his eyes. That Um, would have been better. Um, it's Sorry. very like the play within a play in uh, Much Ado About Nothing. <laughs> or no, is it Taming of the Shrew? I think it's Taming of the Shrew, 
I where... mean, if you're talking about a play within a play in a Shakespeare thing, it's, it's any of them. Yeah, it, it was one of those, but it was very like, okay, this character seems significant because of he just like was teleported somewhere, but now it's now it has nothing to do with anything, and now we're at the trial. So, yeah, well, this episode takes some really sharp lefts. Like it keeps changing the tone and the subgenre of what it is. Um, the the first the first thing that it is is an Ally McBeal legal drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 again, like I wholeheartedly agree with that. Specifically, that it is like Ally McBeal, like <laughs> in that in that vein. Um, is it the practice? No. Is it Boston legal? No. It is like <laughs> Ally McBeal for sure. Like perhaps a little overcooked David E. Kelly style. <laughs> just i mean can it be it's it's already um it's already so overcooked right <laughs> yeah it it's um look I, I i don't you know i don't want to attack any particular actor but like the kind of general vibe of it is the kind of like local theater like really trying to find their marks really trying to like make their moment shine <laughs> um oh yeah <laughs> but yeah so absolutely we open with the trial of Freddy Krueger. Um, this is the moment that's mentioned in the original Nightmare on Elm Street where, you know, um, Freddy is basically let off on a technicality, which is a very technical technicality. It, it feels like, look, I'm, I'm no lawyer, but this feels entirely wrong about how this specifically happened. Um, yeah. So basically, sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, it's it's like, it's um, the reboot of 21 Jump Street where... <laughs> where like that's a plot point where it's like you didn't read him his rights <laughs> yes yeah so it turns out freddy krueger wasn't read his rights and the very angry judge who seems like a maya rudolph character on snl <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. yes. just lets him be unlocked in the courtroom and just wander out <laughs> yeah I, I was like wow they really she really wanted to like terrify <laughs> She really wanted to like terrify these people. It's like, okay, well, let's just let him out. You know, we the evidence is, you know, pretty damning that he committed these crimes. But let's just let him out because, yeah, well, we, he we had... just watched a slideshow of like eighteen dead children, and you know, here he is, and he just kind of wanders off. Um, and th this is the moment where the community theater troupe finds their moment to strike. Yeah, um, there is a distraught woman who is wailing, kind of searching around the room for her mark, then finds the man she's actually supposed to be yelling at and begins to shout at him. <laughs> and she's like wearing like, I mean, again, her fashion, like if I if I can be if I can be that queer, her her fashion is very much like this could be any mother in a courtroom and then like immediately be reused for Sarah Plain and Tall. Like it's <laughs> And, and it's just, and it's so 80s, because, like, my mom had a dress like that in the 80s, and I think everybody's mother, um, in one shape or form, had some version of this dress. Um, shoulder pads and everything. Yeah, it, it crosses cultures, it crosses the boundaries of time. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Exactly. Um, okay, so Freddy returns to his boiler room lair. We learn that he drove an ice cream truck, which, on the nose. Um <laughs> And then there's a really weird scene where he's looking around at his walls and there's like different portions of the wall lighting up. And I think he's talking to like the hooks on the wall and talking about how he's going to use them soon or something. 
Well, so okay, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're bringing this up because I was like, are there still people in there? Yeah, I definitely thought there was a child, but there wasn't. I don't think. Well, because like, yeah, because I it, I would feel like there wouldn't be because if they have all this evidence, they probably know. And and later the mob finds him, right? So it's like they know. Yeah, they know his hideout at this point. Exactly. So I, I it was really kind of confusing. Plus, I mean, again, like you know this this is the quality is you know not what is it not the dvd treatment uh yeah i I could you could say that yeah so it's like it's you know the quality is 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 not really there i mean it's also 1988 and this is this it's a tv show but so it it was difficult for me to kind of suss out i had to pause it in some moments but it definitely feels like he's talking to people um when and he could be, I mean, maybe to him, like all of those things in there are his friends, like Sweeney Todd. <laughs> maybe. It's, it, you know, it adds an air of mystery to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because look, this is a TV show that never even got a DVD release, let alone a Blu-ray or a streaming release. Um, so, you know, we're stuck watching it at 1080p. I mean, 10p. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I, I like casted it to my... Um my my tv which is a 4k tv mm. which was like okay i'm oh, gonna yikes. watch this on my phone <laughs> yeah it, it's more natural there yeah it, it definitely um okay so we return home with lieutenant timothy blocker um who's the guy who <laughs> failed to read him his rights um he loves the law very much so why don't you marry it well, um, oh my god i i literally have that on my notes i'm like he well this man loves the law um, apparently he doesn't love it that much uh, because he didn't read him his fucking rights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think maybe, you know, he he slipped. He wants to make it up to the law any way he can. Um, so he, he's he's very against, like, this troop of vigilantes that is hunting down Freddy Krueger. Um, um, well, well, hold on. Can we can we go back to the courthouse steps for a minute? Because oh, okay. there's a moment there's a moment where the the all the townspeople have decided that, you know, it's it, that they're going to, you know, kill the beast. And um, <laughs> the the one guy where he's like or they, the argument that's being had, it's like, are you saying that we should have a lynch mob? And it's like, I'm not saying we should have a lynch mob, but we should have a lynch. <laughs> but like, but he needs to pay. And I'm like, OK, well. And I'm watching this. I'm like, oh darn, <laughs> this is. Yeah. Oh yeah. This. I. I was. I knew this episode was gonna be tough to talk about in the current times. Um yeah. So I was like, mm, you know, we just gotta get through it. <laughs> yeah. But like, oddly enough, the judge is black, right? <laughs> the judge is oh, a yeah. person of color, and I mean that totally makes sense. It's like, well, you know, him his rights, then, <laughs> then like let him go, uh, but. The rest of the townspeople all happen to be white. <laughs> all happen to be white, um, and then and they're like basically like we're not saying form a lynch mob, but we are saying let's go get to some justice. <laughs> uh, it's it's gross. It's all gross. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, no one's defending Freddy Krueger, <laughs> but like you know, we <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> but also, it's you know, it's complicated. Anyway. So, um, basically, Lieutenant Timothy Blocker cannot catch a break. He goes immediately back to work after this court case, after, like, a weird talk with his wife. Um, but he leaves a security guard to guard the house because he has these two daughters who I don't think are twins, but are very creepy twins. Yeah, they're, they're, they are really, I mean, I thought they were twins the whole time, but, um, and one was the one who talks and the other one was the one that was silent. Um, is it... Is the one who is silent, was she one of Kruger's victims? 
Well, th- I think they were perhaps both captured by Freddy, but he was caught before they he could do anything. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but one of them kind of retreated into herself and into her nightmares, and she's the one who's, like, very spiritually connected to the idea that he will become a nightmare being, which is, you know, not explained, but fine. <laughs> sure. Um, look, the explanation we get in Freddy's Dead, which I know you haven't seen, it's also shitty. So, like, it's we didn't need it. It's okay. <laughs> or how he um, becomes a nightmare being. Yeah. Okay. But it it is very strange that she somehow knows that he has this power before he ever obtains it. But we'll let it slide. Um, but anyway, they have a security guard outside the house. Uh, he's eaten some some chicken, um, and he's he's murdered. So it, you know it's a TV show; it's not super gory. So he, you see the he drops his plate of chicken; it shatters on the ground, and you just see the blood fall onto the plate. It's very Hitchcockian. Yes, it's very. <laughs> I was like, it's very like ketchup from a squirt bottle. Like uh, I was like, oh, like that 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 seems really for the time and for television. Oh yeah. Oh, and also, Freddy does scrape his claws against, like, a rain gutter, and it causes a vase to shatter like he's an opera singer <laughs> singing a really high note. Oh, man. Yeah, when he... So, okay. So, again, as as someone who is, like, you know, still relatively a horror novice, and for the listener, I, I have only seen the first two um, Nightmare on Elm Street films. So, I've seen... I mean, I've seen the gay one, and I've seen the first one, so... That that's my entire kind of reference for for Freddy. I did not know, or I don't know if this comes up in other films, Brennan. Maybe you can clarify the glove. Sure. I thought that was an invention of the of being a nightmare being. I didn't know that he actually like. Did he use that in real life? Oh yes, okay. he did. Um, the the first scene like before the credits of a Nightmare on Elm Street is him like as a human creating the glove. Mm, um okay. and also the in that in the scene where the mom finally tells nancy about what they did to freddy krueger she's like well i still have his glove he can't be using it in your dreams i still have it like here hidden in the furnace so um yeah it, it existed in real life like he was using it okay so that Gross. <laughs> also goes to show how how long ago it was for me because i was like i did not remember any of that <laughs> i remembered uh johnny depp getting uh getting killed and mm. um uh that Shakespeare line, that Shakespeare scene when Nancy's trying to find him. Um, oh, yeah. But I have bad dreams. <laughs> um, look, I've seen this movie a cool uh, 200 times. So, look, I, I get it. It's fine. You, you don't need to be on the same memory level as I am. But thank you for the clarification. See, this is why I still need experts. I need to seek out the experts. No, but see, you are as you are smart. You know how to approach this properly. And you're asking the good questions. So that's fine. Um so basically, the angry mob finds Freddy in his lair. Um, basically, they're about to kill him. Lieutenant Blocker shows up and is like, no! And he points a gun at the like leader of the mob, who I believe is the dentist, right? Um, yes, because he says, like, you're a, you're a dentist, man. <laughs> yeah, not, not a murderer. Not a murderer. You're a um, dentist. But when he's trying to point the gun at the dentist, he's basically putting it next to his head and pointing it at the ceiling. So I'm just like, are, I mean, maybe that's just, you know, proper gun safety. <laughs> but I mean, it, it could be. It doesn't make sense physically. <laughs> um, but then immediately, even though he loves the law so much, he decides that, quote, and I quote, tonight the law is on vacation. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, he's the one who, you know, 
grabs the bottle of gasoline that just happens to be in the corner and lights Freddy on fire. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty good full body burn, except that Freddy's not moving at all. And I don't stand for this John Saxon as Donald Thompson erasure because his character would have been there in real life. <laughs> in real life. No, like in movie continuity. Um. Okay, so you have to explain that to me a little bit because I yeah, don't know yeah. okay, if sorry. I know those um, people. Look, uh, I'll, I'll I'll wait for everyone to stop laughing at home. Uh, okay, <laughs> great, thank you. Um, yeah, John Saxon is an iconic uh, like horror character actor. He's in Black Christmas. He was also in Enter the Dragon, um, but he plays Nancy's dad in the original Elm Street, and he was part right. of the mob that murdered Freddy Krueger. I would have to agree with you then. <laughs> That then that that actually uh, is a possibility because I don't think they even mention they don't mention like the law being involved at all in the original killing right in in the original film. Um, they they do because she says something like the lawyers got or the judge got fat and the lawyer got famous but they still let him out or something. Mm. Um, that, that that's like literally the one line that this episode is based on. It is it is the rogue one of the Elm Street universe. <laughs> Um, uh, that is probably the best, <laughs> the best way to describe this, uh, this particular episode. Thank you. Um, but yeah, cause, uh, Donald Thompson, that character, he was a Lieutenant in the police force. So like he should have been around. Yeah. Well, but they, but he said that they did move, which like, I love the idea of like, we move from the city with its drugs and it's okay. everything. Like, 18 locks on the door, <laughs> 18 locks on the door. And you know, we moved here and we thought it would be better. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> you know, wherever you go, people are there. Yeah. People are there. Um, so, you know, that's the capacity for human cruelty and now supernatural cruelty. Yeah. Um, oh, one fun thing I noticed in this scene before, like, Freddy is fully dead is that Robert Englund actually is kind of trying. I think a trend in the show is that he's not trying at all. Um, but in this episode where he gets to, like, kind of fully be in it, even though his face is mostly in shadow and he's a human, mm -hmm. um, he actually has a slightly different voice as a human Freddy than as a dream demon Freddy. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice. Yes, I, I thought that was really interesting. I feel like... I feel like it's just really strange to not see Freddy's face since, like, I'm... I don't know. When you go to cons and stuff, you always, like, see the scars and all of that stuff. But it was... Maybe they just don't want him to be shown um, as not the the demon Freddy. Uh, oh, yeah. Cause, sorry. No, 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 I was finished. <laughs> well, they don't want you to see human Freddy because Robert Englund is not a scary-looking person. <laughs> like, he just looks like a dorky dad. Um, Which, what? like... I mean, depending. <laughs> He's like, I'm a dorky dad that, like, you know, brutalized and assaulted, like, 18 kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you know, the banality of evil. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I just think for their, like, very simple, scary show, they were like, no, it's better in Shadow. And then when he's in the makeup, he's also mostly in shadow, but because they are trying to do the Freddy makeup on a TV budget, so I think they're just trying to hide the, the seams. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I was like, okay, we, we get a little bit there. We get a little eyes there, but then they probably just didn't complete the rest of the face. Yeah, exactly. It's very harsh eye light is what we get. Um, so we, we actually do visit him for a little interstitial in his liminal space um, where he just kind of cuts himself open for shits and giggles, and then we go back to the story. 
you know, just just for fun, just in case you you know were were not aware of like who's hosting this, um, whose story this belongs to. Oh yeah, even though like it, this story is specifically about the cop, and we return to his bedroom. Him and his wife, Lady Macbeth, um, are chatting <laughs> again, and. He's basically admitting to her that he did murder Freddy in a like a fit of pique, and he's like, "But the law, oh no!" And also like the FBI is coming supposedly, and he's worried he's gonna get caught. And his wife is so fucking horny for extrajudicial murder. Like mm-hmm. she's like, "Take me right here, Lieutenant Blocker. <laughs> like thank you for murdering this man." It's like, "Come screw your courage to my sticking place." <laughs> Ooh, shit. Uh, Joe. I see this is why I needed you on the show like you really you can follow me to where we need to go exactly I'm like it's like I was like I gotta I I took AP English like let's do it <laughs> let's do it um I, I'm all about it um what was what was so funny about this particular exchange is I think this is where he tells her um it's only a matter of time before someone talks because it's a small town. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, girl, you just talked. Like, <laughs> you just told your wife. Like, you didn't... I mean, you know, y- y- the law is the law, but, you know, I just had to tell my wife. But, you know, so it's bound to happen. Someone's bound to talk. I'm like, yeah, because you just did. Yeah, like, you're n- n- never not talking about this. <laughs> exactly. Um, also, also um, as happened in Shakespeare's Macbeth, um, he chips his tooth on a soda can. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, and then the next morning or the night, I don't, the timeline is weird. Um, but his creepy daughter, um, who hasn't talked, finally starts talking and she's doing this very shitty low rent version of the Freddy chant, which is like, told me you killed him. Freddy's back in my dreams and yours. And I'm like, okay, you didn't really try on that. <laughs> It's like, did you not get the rights? Like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you could get the rights to the chant. I'm pretty well, sure they're not. There's not rights to get. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they used the chant later. It's just they, mm-hmm. they were like, we, we need to put our own flavor on it. Yes, exactly. You know, it's very, you know, um, it's very potato salad with raisins. You got to put like that paprika on it later. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but while she's chanting, his his guilt. Um, causes him to crush his coffee mug like he's the six million dollar man like he is the strongest person in the world he's on he's a man on the edge brennan like he's yes he's it's the guilt that's really getting to him yeah and and then um he goes to talk about his murder some more with the dentist who was present oh i totally skipped over that one of the like they found the body of the security guard guy like in a car trunk where they hid Freddy's body, but you know, whatever. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah, that 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 whole series of of things was just really kind of muddled. It's like, let's go here. I sealed it up. I don't like. I need to see the body. All this, like, in like in anticipation of like the FBI coming, right? Yes, because they were trying to hide Freddy's body, um, but it vanished, it, like Jesus style, and <laughs> you know, yes. <laughs> But that is actually a little bit of tie-in with the continuity of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which you haven't seen. Um, but that's where we discover that they ended up hiding his body in, like, this used car lot. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, no, well, no, like a car junk pile, whatever. I, you know, whatever. So how many car films stuff. had come out already by the time that this the series was out? 
Ooh, okay, this was 88. Let me see when the... Because there was a Nightmare movie in 88. So let me see if that one came out before this aired or after. Um, okay, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 would have come out in August. Um, and this came out in October. So we had four movies. Okay, so then so then that tracks that they would have known that that would have been a, a bit of continuity that would have been more recent and fans would have been like, oh, this totally makes sense. Yeah, they would have learned that just the year before. Okay. Um, so yeah, the cop goes to the dentist to tell him that he's decided to skip town and to recommend that he also do so. Um, and he's, you know, in this like fit of peak and he really urgently wants to leave town. He's like, honey, when I get home, you better be packed. We're leaving. Um, but he's like, but you know what? I can get a cap on my tooth. Let's go for it. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Wherever we're going, they may not have dentistry. So <laughs> the city. <laughs> so what better way? I mean, I did tell this man that he was a dentist and not a murderer. <laughs> Yeah, like, he needs to prove to him that he was right. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you need to, it's like, and, and then they look at each other, I'm like, you, it makes you wonder, I'm like, I don't think, um, I don't think uh, Delta Dental covers, uh, <laughs> uh, covers that, so maybe, maybe they're just like, okay, you know, we committed a murder together, vigilante murder together, I think, um, I think this one's on the house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pro bono. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the hygienist comes in, starts getting him fixed up, and this is where the kind of first Freddy dream kind of kicks in of like, oh, this is his origin. Um, but he ends up on the nitrous gas, and in his dream state, he just sees the hygienist in her bra and panties, and I'm like, yep, that that tracks. 80s television. I was gonna say, this is very 80s right now, and she's just, you know, she couldn't be, um, couldn't be bothered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I kind of liked the weird like sex dream aspect of it just in the fact that like people do have dreams like that um and it's just like kind of casually weird but you know of course it's exploitative that's why they put it in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but then freddie shows up as the dentist his glove the all the claws are little dental drills and he kind of shoves his hand into the cop's face um and so we get this shot of like everything above the mouth on the cop and you kind of see him writhing in pain and you see little flecks of like tooth bone hitting his face and i'm like welcome to the set toby hooper yeah (laughs) um yes and it's in the hands of a true master at this point so we know we definitely know what's going on now yeah that that was the best part (laughs) yeah absolutely Uh, and then of course we cut back to freddie's pad and he kind of just like closing out the episode with one of his you know one-liners and it's just something like he's like who's next you you it's like no you yeah <laughs> it just it it had the feeling of a comedian in the cat skills absolutely bombing a set mm-hmm. absolutely and then he just wanders off and you know that's and and i i just think like in and I thought this when he was released in the courtroom and I really wanted it to happen. I kind of wanted him to do this like, you know, skipping frolic, like the Riddler, <laughs> you know, Joel Schumacher's Riddler. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> R.I.P. Exactly. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, and I just wanted him to do that because I feel like that would have been very fantastical and on brand. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's just it's low energy. He might as well have like tapped the mic and been like, anybody here? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, who's going there? But yeah, it's like you know you like i i didn't know um i mean i guess maybe if this was like 80s television that would have freaked me the you know that have freaked me the f out but um yeah it just seemed very forced at that point oh yeah it it was it was something yeah (laughs) 
It was something. Okay. Anyway, so it's time for our final thoughts. We're gonna we're gonna grade the movie in, as one of three categories. Was it a dream? As in like an actually like episode you enjoyed? Was it a nightmare? We're just like unbearable shit. Or did it put you to sleep? We're just kind of boring. <laughs> what 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 would you qualify it as? Brennan, this okay. episode for me was a dream. <gasps> me too, Joe. <laughs> we match. Look, um, sorry, yeah? No, I was going to say, and here's, here's why. Here's why this episode was a dream. I was really, as someone who is new to the franchise, right? Mm-hmm. New to the Freddy franchise. I was very, like, grateful for this origin story. Like, you know, th- this is, I wanted to know more. Like, this is, like, how I felt when I was watching um, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween um, okay. Because I really liked the, I really liked all of the depth of an origin story. This is why I kind of like I watched Gotham for two seasons. I like to see where the I like to know how we get to point B. Like how do okay. we get from A to B? So I feel like this was important. And I do they explore this in other films? Like his origin specifically? Yeah, his origin because I know they remade it later with Jackie Earl Hurley, uh, Earl Haley, right? So that is correct, and do not watch that movie. Okay, um, good. <laughs> but thank you for saving me. You're welcome. Um, Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare, which is a wacky Looney Tunes movie, um, explores a lot of his backstory, which does not square with this at all. Um, but that's the other one that actually dives the most into this kind of like pre nightmare period. See, and that's, I think I want this because in my mind, like the reason why this was also a dream is because I could totally see this being like redone. Like if, if you, if you redid something, if you redid like a nightmare series and it was just, um, the entire backstory leading up to like, it's just a mini series. It leads up to Freddie's murder. Um, uh-huh like that would have been satisfying i mean in the current like if you did it with like the current like conventions and styles of like what a um streaming limited series would be it would be get jason bateman to do it make it very blue exactly (laughs) yes jason bateman that's that's perfect um you get jason bateman in there um Robert England's still alive, like he it's, sure is. And 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 here's the thing: Robert England now kind of makes more sense for like a like murderous pedo, right? Like so. <laughs> so again, like I think like that's where the whole time and what kept my attention was like, oh, okay, I understand now. And now going back to like, if I go back and watch um, Nightmare 1, I'll be like, oh, this totally makes sense. And I I like how he, I wish I also saw more people die, right? I I wish I wanted more, I wanted more of the, um, Freddy gets his revenge on all of the townspeople and all the parents. Yeah, and like you, you want it to hit the point of like what we could do today in terms of like gore and violence on TV, but it just, it wasn't there. Yeah, which you know again, that's just of the time. But overall, um, definitely a dream. And well, I'm so glad. Yeah, like yeah, so good, good on this one. I, I I really am happy that I was here for this one. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, Joe's coming on the next week's episode, and things may be different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or not next week, ne- the next episode. Yes. Um, but yeah, for me, yeah, I, I, this was kind of the exact level of campy 80s nonsense that I was kind of expecting from the show. So it, it gave me what I wanted from it. 
Um, also, I like the brief moment where it's like a siege slasher movie where he attacks the security guard guy. Um, and I did like that Robert Englund was fully present in this episode, which will not be the case in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of got that feeling as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, and we're going to, I'm going to hit you with the, uh, like, TV guide log line of what the next episode we're watching is about. But first, we're going to run through one more time. Here's how you can donate to the show um, to earn more episodes. Because this show stops when the donations stop. Like, I'm trying to get through all of Freddy's Nightmares, and that is on you, the listener. Um, please help us by donating to the Okra Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes. Take a screenshot of your receipt. Uh, send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com which you can also find in the show notes or DM it to me. Uh, Joe, where can we find your uh, various podcasts and your, you know, just beautiful thoughts and wisdom on the internet? Oh, awesome. Well, you're more than welcome to go to at Fright School on Instagram or at Art Time of the Month, also on Instagram. That seems to be where we're the most... um, where at least the shows are most active. Um, Fright School also has a Facebook. Either place, um, you can get a lot of good memes. Uh, we have we have a social media guy who is just fire with the horror memes. So, you know, please visit us there. Um, for me personally, I am at jfarron on Instagram, and uh, you can see my general non-horror thoughts there as well. Perfect. Um, and are just real quick hour credits our artwork was created by henry hall if you'd like to support trans artists and you should you can send him a commission at henryhall.net our theme song is living in a dream by pseudo echo you can find me on twitter at it's raining brands and on instagram at the burning clem okay so next episode which is going to come out this friday um it's called it's a miserable life and it's about uh, Freddy goes after a Springwood teenager who's stuck working at a burger joint owned by his father. Can't wait. See you then. Bye. Bye.